This is Chris. Welcome to episode number 42 of X Lapsed. And uh, here we are, wrapping up the number fives. Uh, makes me feel like we uh, made a pretty sizable dent in these uh, these books so far. Of course, no sooner do I say that than uh, turns out it's DCBS Day at the house. My package of uh, comics from last month all showed up and uh, added, uh, I think, nine more to the pile. So, uh, eh, you know, it's... Uh, I guess uh, we take a couple of steps forward and we take a, a few steps back, too. Uh, I think if my you know, voodoo math is right, uh, we'll probably catch up with the line sometime in the spring. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's the middle of October right now, so we've, uh, we've got a lot of books ahead of us here. But let's, uh, without any further ado, let's hop into the, uh, the final number five here. This is X-Men Volume 5, number five. Had a cover date of March 2020. Stories called Into the Vault, written by Jonathan Hickman with art by the returning R.B. Silva, our, our artist from uh, Powers of X here, and uh, also our colorist from Powers of X, Marty Gracia. Letters, VCs Clayton Cowles, designs Tom Muller, edits Bisa White Sabalski, cover price $3.99, and went on sale January 15th, 2020. Now we open with a page comprised of three completely black panels, followed by two featuring Cyclops. He asks himself what he could have been thinking and considers what he had just done. So, uh, well, what did he do? Well, we'll find out at the other end of the book. First, we got credits. Then, we got roll call. This uh, book will feature Cyclops, Wolverine, Professor X, Armor, Storm, Darwin, Sink, X-23, and Serafina. So, I I guess uh, that was Serafina, not... Uh, Nega, Negasonic Teenage Whatever back in uh, X-Men number one like I had posited. It's been a long time since I've read books of that era so I wasn't exactly sure who we were seeing and I figured the Teenage Warhead was uh, more of a more of a cheap pop than uh, Serafina but I guess that's who we got and we'll, we'll see more of her in this issue. Now, I'd like to, before we get into it, I feel like I really need to take this opportunity to apologize to the mid-2000s Marvel books, where the first page of every single issue would be like part text catch-up and creator credits and a roll call. And back then, you know, 2005, 2006, I hated that we wasted a whole page on that. But I tell you what, I hate even more that now we're wasting three. Back to comics. We're in Ecuador. Serafina, this is the post-human child from the vault, she's fleeing from someone and happens across a couple of ponchoed fellas in the jungle. She uses her hoodoo to try to get them to stop whoever's following her. Unfortunately for, well, pretty much everyone involved, the person following her is Wolverine. 
And he's, uh, he's looking pretty damn good for a dude who was just ripped in half in the pages of X-Force, doesn't he? Oh well. Now the poor locals are able to slow him down for a couple of beautiful R.B. Silva pages, but their attempts at overwhelming him are... the futile. Wolverine continues making his way through the jungle before arriving at a dried-up old Sentinel factory. Which, if I'm not mistaken, was one of the, uh... Like Cassandra Nova's hidey holes back in the long ago, uh, and it's also where the Children of the Vault wound up after their appearance back in those issues I haven't read in a very long time, uh, mid 2000s era. I want to say X Men Volume Two, so really good continuity there. I'm happy to see a callback like that. Anywho, Serafina looks to have given Wolverine the slip, leaving our hero locked out of the Wild Sentinel Factory. We now follow Serafina inside the vault, and it's all manner of strange. It's kind of reminiscent of uh, anybody who's played the Assassin's Creed games. You'll, you'll know you come across those weird futuristic areas that are like all digital and stuff, and uh, got like weird monoliths and spires and, you know, all futuristic doodads. It's pretty much what we're looking at here. Um, and we're in full-page spread land here as well, with very sparse art. Just the bottom half of the page has a figure and maybe a little bit of a, of a you know, background. And then on the top, it's just, it's just digital text. And, uh, I don't know, it's not the last time we're going to see imagery like this today. From here, we jump back to Krakoa, where Cyclops, Storm, Wolverine, and Professor X are trying to plan their next move against Serafina and the children. Now, Storm reminds us all the time flows very differently inside the vault. Cyclops plays up how the vault is also different from the rest of the world in that it's not evolutionarily based. Instead, it's about a human's ability to adapt to technology. From here, we get a look at the strike force that's being addressed, and it's Sink, who I don't know if we've ever seen him on panel since he was killed in that really, really awful... Uh, Counter X arc of Generation X way back, you know, pre pre Morrison Casey even that was a long time ago. We also have Darwin from the Deadly Genesis team, uh, who I don't know that we've seen him since uh, he was running with X Factor Investigations, and uh, X twenty three, who uh, we haven't seen since uh, well last episode uh, when she was trying to track down a path with Quanon, and uh, so I and that also came out I believe the same day as this issue. So yeah, we haven't seen her since today. And uh, I guess this book, this X-Men title, is taking Fallen Angels about as seriously as the rest of us. Uh, it is worth noting here that X-23 is in her all-new Wolverine costume. So, we know the danger of this mission and uh, the reasons for this team of the lucky ones to, you know, to head on in. We find out that Darwin's abilities allow him to adapt. Oh, we get a refresher on that, I should say. Uh, Sink can copy another mutant's power, and uh, X-23 is, well, she's like Wolverine. When Cyclops says this to her, she corrects him by saying, I'm not like Wolverine, I am Wolverine, and uh, Logan likes this. But I don't, because isn't the entire reason she's part of the horrendously dull Fallen Angels book is so she can step out of Wolverine's shadow? I mean, that's exactly what she said a few times in that book. Maybe the head of X hasn't actually read that, and if that's the case, lucky guy. Oh, Armor's here too. And uh, she wants the trio to know all the risks of this mission, so I guess she makes it off the farm okay? I guess we could just skip the next issues of Fallen Angels and New Mutants, right? Is this X-Men book in continuity, or is it the only book in continuity? I don't know. So let's talk about these risks. Cerebro can't track them inside the vault, so it'll have no way of knowing whether or not they're even still alive. 
And so they'll need to get in, get whatever info they're after, get out while still alive so that their memories can be immediately downloaded into Cerebro for safekeeping. Otherwise, this entire mission is for nothing. Wolverine then reminds everyone that the last time the vault opened, it had been closed for several thousand years. Those are several thousand years on the inside, because time does flow differently, of course. Uh, Now, this is, of course, where X-23 and company will be going, and none of our heroes seem all that bothered by the risk. From here, we jump to an info page. It's a medical report on Sink. And it looks like he was the 14th mutant to be resurrected, and was pushed toward the front of the line due to his ability to copy other mutants' powers, which makes it so he could easily stand in for any member of the Five. And I believe we heard that in in an info page a long time ago. That does make me wonder, however, why they'd risk him in the vault. Right? I don't know. Speaking of the vault, let's go back there. And it's another couple of full-page spreads with some digital hoodoo filling the top halves. And it looks like the rest of the children of, of the vault are now up and at them. And the, non-ser- the non-Serafina ones are Perro, Sangre, Aguja, and Fuego. From here, later on, the X-Men arrive in Ecuador. Storm attempts to get the children's attention by commanding lightning to rain down on the dusty old wild sentinel head that tops the factory they're inhabiting. Cyclops assumes that this will trigger the vault's automated defense system, and what do you know? That's exactly what happens. With the system sort of compromised, we join our trio of would-be vaulters stood next to the door of, well, the vault. It begins to react to their presence, well... Actually, it's reacting to some repurposed Orcus technology that Forge had tinkered with, but hey, any old point in the storm, right? So Storm, hey, speaking of Storm, Storm, Cyclops, and Armor continue fighting the defense systems, and when the dust settles, they see that Sink, Darwin, and X-23 are no longer standing at the door. Which means, you know, they were able to get inside. We go from here to another two full-page spreads of sparse art and digital text, which reveals to us that, uh, yeah... Those three heroes did make it inside. Unfortunately for them, they are immediately identified as anomalies, and the vault is about to react. We don't know exactly how it'll react, but our heroes fear the worst. Now, this issue wraps up much later, with Cyclops and Xavier talking about this very mission. We learn that, at this point, three months and five days have passed since the kids went inside, which Xavier deduces is probably akin to 537 years on the inside. And here we close with Cyclops asking himself what he could have been thinking and considers what he'd just done. So, full circle, my friends. And that's where we leave it. Now, this is the first issue of the Dawn of X run that doesn't have a reading order list at the back of it. Uh, we do know what the next, you know, four or five books are because uh, the issues before this had that list that, that went through this month as well, or this half of the month as well. Um, I was actually flipping through a few later issues of X-Men just to see if I could find out exactly where to slot the Empire colon X-Men miniseries, because I'd heard that it's made pretty clear where to put it. And I noticed that the the reading order lists came back, so maybe that was just a post-pandemic thing to make sure, you know, all the X-Fans knew everything they needed to pick up if they wanted to keep up with everything, so... There will be a list coming again soon. It'll be a little bit nebulous in the interim. Uh, We do have, I think we've got four more books that are on the list that we're working on now. And, uh, but the next issue of X-Men we discuss, 
uh, is not going to be X-Men number six. Instead, it'll be Giant Size X-Men, Jean Grey, and Emma Frost. Um, the next episode will be Marauders number six, just like normal here. And I do have a tentative plan because I spend way too much time and I lose way too much sleep worrying about stupid crap that doesn't matter to anyone but me. We're going to spend the next five episodes closing out the Marvel-provided reading order that we have here, right? Then, with episode, I think, 47, we're going to hop into four episodes of X-Men plus Fantastic Four. Then, we're going to come back with Giant Size, Emma, and Jean. So, I hope that sounds good, because I already made the uh, the cover art for it. <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully that'll work out for everybody. But uh, before we get into any of that stuff, how about we talk about what we just read here? I'm not quite sure how I feel about this one. Um, I don't want to slight it, because it wasn't bad. Um, I guess I'm just having a little bit of trouble reconciling the fact that... Uh, this book that I sort of like knee-jerk expected to be the flagship for the line isn't really delivering exactly what I'm looking for, if that makes any sense. Uh, you know, I don't want to be mad at it for not being what I want it to be when it was never intended to be what I wanted it to be, but I feel like from the very start of this volume of X-Men, rather than getting stories, story arcs, we're getting these weird like inch-deep, mile-wide looks at concepts that, to me, deserve to be mined a little bit more. Um, everything we're getting is interesting, but the one-off nature of these issues is really off-putting to me. I feel like just when I start getting into them, they're over. And if uh, if this series of, like, vignette issues is any indication, I'm not sure when or if these topics might come up again. You know, I'd, I'd question whether or not that summoner from issue two is going to come back, but... Like I mentioned, I got my DCBS order, and uh, the summoner's on the cover of X-Men number 12. Um, what happened to the old ladies from issue 3? I I, th- I could have sworn that issue ended on a cliffhanger. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Um, here in this issue, I, I don't know. It, it just feels like we spent a whole lot of pages setting something up, which maybe could have been told in far less. Um, sending X-23, Sink, and Darwin into the vault... That's basically all that happened here. I mean, yeah, we are in the age of decompression, but I don't know. I just I just wanted a little bit more, I guess. Um, speaking of the age we're in, uh, I probably shouldn't be annoyed that X-23 is here, despite being in Dubai or wherever fighting a path in another book that I think came out the very same day as this one. Uh, granted, I mean, time did pass. Time did elapse in this issue, three months or whatever. But, uh... I don't know, it's just current year comics, I guess. But it's like, we've got like a half dozen editors and a head of X on on this run here, on this line. Shouldn't there be a little bit more attention to this sort of thing? Because uh, it really, it takes what little wind was left in Fallen Angels sales out of it, doesn't it? Plus, this issue kind of neglects the only, the sole bit of characterization that X-23 has been given in Fallen Angels. She's with Quinan so she can get out of Logan's shadow. And here she is, back in her Wolverine costume, calling herself Wolverine. Really? I mean, that's the whole point of her being part of Fallen Angels. Come on. Also, Armor was here, when we still haven't wrapped up the New Mutants farm story yet. And again, time did elapse in this issue, three months, but we don't know where these three months are. But, I mean... 
for simplicity's sake here, there are hundreds of mutants on Krakoa, right? Couldn't they have slid in another to accompany Storm and Cyclops to Ecuador? It's not like armor did anything especially armorist in in the in the issue. I mean, where's Dazzler? Where's Vulcan? Polaris? Mag friggin' Nito? I mean, Pixie seems to make a cameo in every other issue. Why not stick her in there? I I don't know. I probably shouldn't even bother mention that Lionel used cover shows armor with long hair when every time we've seen her post Hoxpox, it's been short. Thankfully, the interior art kept that little bit of continuity straight. Um, speaking of which, it was really cool to see the Powers of X team uh, back together with uh, R.B. Silva and Mardi Gracia on art. Um, I think it gave a maybe a fairly sort of kind of lacking story a really cool look. Um, I think those six pages we spent inside the vault might have been a little, okay, a lot indulgent, but at least they look pretty, right? (laughs) Sometimes that's all you can ask for. Um, overall, uh, I didn't hate it, but I was a little disappointed. Um, again, you know, I, I, I say this all the time. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to disregard something simply because it's not what I expected it to be. Because uh, that's not fair. You know, that's not fair to the creative, that's not fair to the story. Just because it's not what I expected from it doesn't make it bad. Um, what I was expecting was for this book to be the stor- the straw that stirs the drink. I mean, it is the only book in the line called X-Men. So I was expecting this to be, like, the must-read every month. And so far, it it really hasn't been. I mean, as much as much uh, you know, Razin as I do on X Force. X Force feels more like the flagship book right now, because that's where everything's happening, right? I mean, we had Professor X dying and being reborn there. We we're actually going on missions and we're putting together teams. And X Force feels like as much <laughs> as as little love as I have for X Force. A lot of the time, it feels it feels important. If that makes sense Where X-Men feels And again, I, I don't dislike it It just doesn't feel as important As I feel like it maybe should But uh, as we're talking about other books in this line here uh, This does wrap up uh, the the issue fives from wave one here So how about we rank these books here Now, number one for me this, uh, this time out For the Dawn of X wave one number fives Number one for me is New Mutants. I enjoyed New Mutants a hell of a lot. That was such a fun book. Um, loved seeing the old team again. And I wasn't too fond of the ending, but I mean, what are you going to do? You, you take what you can get. Uh, number two, and it's a very, very close number two, is Marauders. Marauders was another fantastic book this week. I uh, really, really enjoyed it. And, uh, and it, you know, this is one, I think the first... The first time we did rankings here with the issue ones, very similar feelings between New Mutants and Marauders here. It's like whichever one I think of last is my favorite. So that's that's not a bad place to be. Uh, the third slot would be this book, X-Men. Um, didn't love it, didn't hate it. It's just kind of there. Uh, the fourth place would be X-Force, because uh, I didn't hate that, but I didn't like it either. <laughs> Uh, these are these are ringing endorsements for this line, isn't it? Uh, five is Excalibur, that mess of an issue, and six, 
uh, holding on to the spot like uh, like its life depended on it is Fallen Angels. So, New Mutants, Marauders, X-Men, X-Force, Excalibur, Fallen Angels are my rankings for the Dawn of X Wave 1 number 5s. Now, just one last thing before we get out of here, and we're going to do a little bit of mailbag in here. We got a letter from Damien talking about New Mutants number 5. He says, I feel so much joy rereading this issue. Hickman does such a good job of writing these characters and their interactions. So many great moments from the recap. I love the disapproving look between Sam and Smasher when Bobby hands over his gift to the big fights, Karma getting the big guy to punch himself in the face. I keep praising Rod Reese and have tended to give him more credit than Hickman, but it really is the two of them working together that lifts this issue. I read the first X of Ten's New Mutants issue by Rod Reese and Ed Brisson today, and it looks good, but it's nowhere near as strong as this. And yeah, this is a uh, this is like a dream team, isn't it? Um, I, it's a wonderful book. It's uh, it's magic when the two of them are on it. Um, it's just a shame that we don't get more issues with the two of them on it, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, this has been this has been ab- an absolute treat. And I think when people look back, uh, this Shi'ar story might be one of the handful of New Mutant stories that people will want to revisit and remember. I mean, I-, I was on a show a couple months ago, I believe, or maybe a month ago, discussing the Demon Bear saga. I was on Source Material Live, and... Uh, and I was trying to think of other memorable New Mutants stories because anytime you talk about the New Mutants, it's like, oh yeah, the Demon Bear, you know? And and I couldn't think of one that was really something that I would recommend. Like, oh, you need to track this down. You need to see this. Uh, I mean, the New Mutants is uh, the Marvel graphic novel and the Demon Bear. <laughs> and that's about it for, uh, you know, wildly memorable stories or... or or ones that you'd uh, that you could give to an outsider and 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 have them you know fall in love with the characters, but uh, I feel like maybe uh, maybe not as strong as those two, but I think this Shi'ar story has the potential of being something like that, where people could come back to this and uh, and have an enjoyment. I don't know that it'll be quite as evergreen, but I think uh, it, I think it's evergreenish for sure. Um, back to Damien, he says, "You seem to get stuck on Ilyana being flirtatious. Do you think we were supposed to ma- we were meant to take that seriously? I thought she was just meant to be distracting them. Maybe I'm too willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, as I've been loving how they're handling her. It's interesting to see her treated as being this at the same level as Cyclops and Bishop. And no, I didn't take it seriously. I I project a lot. I, I, I'm if anybody's listened to the past." Many, many, many hours of me talking. Uh, you probably have heard me say, maybe I'm projecting. And when I say maybe I'm projecting, it usually means I'm probably projecting. And so I, I do that a lot. And so, yes, I project, and I also have a weird sensitivity or maybe even like an allergy to things that I consider low effort. And when I see uh, Magic saying that she's here to fight or F... I look at that as very, very low effort, and I look at that as trying to, I don't know, get attention. Um, I mean, where it's really unnecessary, because the story they're telling is wonderful, the art is fantastic. I don't think you need to do that sort of low-hanging fruit here, but it looks like it's one of those panels that I would always say, like, when the writer wrote that panel, they started rubbing their hands together just waiting for the memes to start. Because it's like, oh, this is the X-Men now. Magic is saying she's here to fight or F. And uh, 
I don't know, I just considered it low effort. <laughs> um, when it really didn't need it. Uh, but no, I, I didn't, I didn't take it seriously. I didn't think she really wanted to, uh, to bang the, uh, the scroll with the metal plate on his head. <laughs> and it is cool to see her treated as being, you know, similarly leveled to the other, uh, the other, what are they, captains, the other Krakoan captains. I think that's really cool. Um, and lends, lends a bit of, of weight to the New Mutants team, you know, because I don't know if we've ever, like, since this started, have they been like a team, like officially, or are they just all bunking together because they grew up together? I like that she lends a bit of legitimacy to this team. Um, I do wish that maybe we'd share the spotlight a little bit. I, I'd like to see Danny get a little bit more uh, more play, but w- what they're doing with magic outside of the line that I that I really didn't care for. Um, that is really good stuff. Really good stuff. I loved her taking command. I liked Sam being kind of off-put by that, or, or at least confused by that. Um, good stuff. Really good stuff. And uh, Damien wraps up with, of course, we're back to the farm next issue, and I'm pretty sure I was not impressed with that issue. I uh, I haven't been impressed with the farm overall yet, so uh, I'm not expecting big things. I'm not expecting great things. Uh we saw armor in this issue, so I'm guessing she survives. <laughs> I'm guessing everything's going to be a okay, but uh, yeah, it's kind of a kind of a downer to go from what we got there uh, in in New Mutants number five to just back to the farm. Um, and also, I, I really just didn't didn't like the cliffhanger because it's just it's playing with the old tropes in this new world, and it just doesn't it just doesn't uh, doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't work for me but uh thank you so much damien for your thoughts and uh and for your uh correspondence i very much appreciate it uh if anyone out there would like to correspond with me you could do so at weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com or at ace comics on twitter uh, you can find show notes for this program and many many others and many many blog posts over at chris's on there's also xlapsed.chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. There's the Facebook page at 90s X-Men and uh, the audio archives at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. There's a, a bit of a makeover coming for, uh, for a lot of the output here. Uh, pretty soon, pretty soon. But uh, everything will still be where, where, where I left it. So it won't, be like, uh, it won't be like links will be changing or nothing. So everything will be at the same place. It's just going to hopefully look a little bit nicer and a little bit cleaner. But uh, we'll worry about that another day. Uh, I think that's where we will uh, put a pin in it for right now. I, I look forward to hearing from folks. I, I'd like to hear your guys' uh, your rankings for uh, the Dawn of X Wave 1 number 5s. Agree, disagree, either way. I'd love to hear it and love to talk about it. But... I think uh, just one huge thank you to everyone, and uh, until next time when we discuss Marauders number six that has the executioner on the cover, I will talk to you again real soon. See ya.